You're listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette, bringing the human resources and talent community to you. And now your host today, Bill Bannum. Welcome to the latest edition of HR Chat, brought to you by the HR Gazette. This is your host, Bill Bannum, and today I'm very lucky to be joined by Ryan Quelo. Ryan is a manifestation consultant. He became fascinated by the mind in 2011. Formerly educated in aerospace engineering, he decided to use his analytical strengths to help people logically understand how the mind works and how it influences their motivation and behaviors. Now, I've, I've known Ryan now for a, a little while. The HR Gazette was fortunate to partner with Ryan and, uh, and an event that happened in Toronto earlier this year called the Millennial Leadership Summit. Ryan, it's uh, fantastic to have you with us today. Welcome. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks for the intro, too. Ryan, please tell uh, the, the listeners a wee bit about your career history and, and how you came to be a manifestation consultant. Uh, sure. Yeah. How much time do we have now? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, it's been a very interesting and unorthodox journey. Uh, as you mentioned in the bio, uh, I graduated from aerospace engineering at Ryerson back in 2008. And how I landed in that uh, sort of field of study was I was an air cadet for about eight years. Um, my mom says I volunteered. I say she pressured me into it. But uh, that debate's still ongoing. But either way, you know, I got my pilot's license to that organization. I, um, I thought planes were my destiny and that's where I wanted to go. So, so I, I signed up for that program and I got in. And as I went through it, it was, you know, it was a great experience. And I, it taught me a lot about myself in terms of having this strong analytical mind that's able to understand systems, uh, put together systems, communicate systems and structures to other people. But uh, when I finished the program, I realized that wasn't quite the direction that I felt passionate about. So sort of one of those things where I was good at it, but I didn't really have that desire to continue within it. So I went on this big journey trying to figure out, well, what is that passion? So that took me overseas to Ghana, West Africa, where I volunteered with Engineers Without Borders. Uh, Brought me back here to Canada, where I worked with a startup trying to um, uh, explore that uh, sphere through uh, two people who who had started up a company. And it's been a, a very... Uh, I don't want to say inconsistent, that's not the best word, but almost like adventurous journey in, in trying to find out um, what that passion was. And what's amazing is it's always evolving. And so something that I, uh, there is a theme that, that's running through a lot of the work I do uh, nowadays that's led me to, as you mentioned, a manifestation consultant uh, when it comes to studying people and understanding humans, uh, both in the way that they think, in the way that they behave, in how they feel, and how all three of these aspects come together and actually form an individual. And um, so manifestation to me is, well, you know, we always have these ideas, we have uh, these visions, these dreams about what we want to achieve. How do we bring them into reality? And a lot of times, uh, typical knowledge will say, you know, you set a goal and you run after that goal. That's definitely correct. But um, what I try to do is dig a bit deeper and say, well, if you set a goal and you're struggling to get to that goal, what's influencing that lack of motivation, right? Like where are, your, where are your thoughts going that are preventing you from wanting to um, easily move forward towards that goal and see it come to fruition? So, you know, I work a lot with the mind. Uh, the mind is connected to emotions and behaviors. 
So all three of those work together and they create this incredible paradigm and, and philosophy around people that uh, I continue to study and, and, and develop my own understanding of and, and self-awareness of myself through. And then I communicate to others in various capacities, such as, uh, Bill, like you mentioned, the, the Millennial Leadership Summit that happened uh, earlier this year. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, uh, the event um, in Toronto earlier this year. Um, it was a fantastic event, uh, extremely well attended. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be there, as was the community director, Tim Baker. Um, what, what were your main takeaways in terms of your learnings and your exchanges with others around the discussion of changing workforce dynamics? You know what? It, for me, it was, it was fascinating because when I went in there, I had a lot of expectations around people understanding millennials. And when I came out of that experience, it was very much, it was bigger than that. It was almost this, and, and that's kind of what led me to um, expand what I do beyond just sort of working on the millennial engagement issue, is reali realizing the power of what can happen when people understand each other. And that can be in the context of generational differences, cultural differences, geographical differences. You know, I lived in Ghana for a year, so it reminded me of, how my experience evolved and grew as I got to understand the people I was living with um, uh, over in, in Ghana, West Africa. So it was, an, it was amazing and inspiring experience to know that oftentimes uh, the labels that we put on other people, the judgments that we hold, the inefficiencies that we see in organizations uh, when it comes to uh, teamwork and, and people uh, working together under, under the same organization brand is that lack of understanding. And as soon as that comes into the picture, and, and the word I like to use is, is as soon as it comes into awareness, I feel like that understanding is always there in some capacity, right? We're all humans. We all, we all know what it's like to be, to be one. When we, become in, when we come into awareness of what's really going on in someone else's life, almost step a, a mile in their shoes and understand what's influencing their behaviors and thoughts and, and emotions, it's amazing what can happen. And that was truly, truly shown throughout the, the event. Wow, that's amazing. I learned a lot there myself. Um, I, I got some new insights into who I was and how I work with people. What, what would be your, your key measurements when trying to understand a, a, a broken team, if you like? If, a, a team where personalities, for whatever reason, just aren't connecting or people are misunderstanding people. They're not having shared experiences. Perhaps there's uh, little in the way of uh, team development programs. What, what are your key indicators when, when, you're, when you're working with teams to, to fix them, uh, to make them more productive, happy, and reaching their potential? Yeah, really good question. You know, a bit of a quick analogy slash story with that. Um, I think about when I first became an entrepreneur and I, I told my parents. So now for anyone who doesn't know South Asian culture, entrepreneur is a very foreign word. They don't really understand what that means when it comes to uh, uh, building your career as an entrepreneur. So my parents, as supportive as they were, they struggled to understand what that meant. So I tried to explain it to them. I said, you know, by being an entrepreneur is going to give me this freedom that, you know, you guys have come from, a, um, from another country and you've created this amazing foundation and I'm going to uh, be able to claim this freedom that you may have not, not you may have not ha had as much of just based on the circumstances you grew up in. And I told them how the things I could achieve and sort of the name I could build and, and what I could do for the family and again, try to show all these reasons why uh, being an entrepreneur was a good idea. 
my parents, they were still very hesitant and they, they weren't sure exactly uh, what it meant. And it wasn't until I would say fairly recently, probably maybe earlier this year, if not uh, late last year, I realized that the things I was telling them wasn't aligning with what the things they wanted to hear. And for them, the big issue and concern was security. And so for them coming from another country and getting a job, getting a mortgage, being able to put food on uh, the table for my sister and I, that was really important. And that sense of security is what was clouding their vision of my path. And because I didn't see that 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 was what was sort of on their mind first and foremost, and I didn't communicate in regards to that, it made, it made it very difficult for them to engage in what I was doing. So now if we take that, that story and example and put it into the workforce, the biggest thing I see um, when I do my work with uh, organizations is not speaking the same language. And I don't mean that in, in terms of national languages, in terms of English or French or anything like that, but an organization saying, hey, we really care about you. And in their minds, they care about them by, by providing you know, certain benefits and providing you know, certain compensation. And then you have a millennial or, or anyone on the other side um, who might be listening. What caring means to them is, is maybe the manager saying thank you every once in a while or showing them some sort of emotional recognition that has nothing to do with benefits, perks, compensation, etc. And so it's this gap in communication that's um, really causing uh, things to deteriorate because if I'm an individual in organization, and I believe I'm not getting something that I want, then all of a sudden, um, it's going to cause me to disengage. So what I try to do is help bring that clarity back into the picture. And, and three sort of, I call them the three balloons of engagement. It's my, one of my new models that I'm working on. If you have, imagine you have three balloons, and these balloons are all inflated, one represents safety, one rec represents freedom, and the last one represents uh, importance. All of us want to have these balloons filled. But as we go through our day-to-day -day lives, whether in our personal lives or professional lives, uh, air starts to leak out of these balloons. And it's not necessarily safety in the sense where someone feels they're in danger in terms of their environment, like they might die or something, but they might feel like their safety is being compromised by the fact that they could lose their job or that a relationship's about to end. Or in the, in the context of freedom, they may believe that I don't have a choice in my organization. I have to do what they tell me. And so as air, more air and air leaks out of these different balloons or for the importance balloon, if someone feels they're not important or their work doesn't matter, air is coming out of these balloons and all of a sudden, those three balloons that need to be inflated for someone to be engaged are not. So I, I help organizations um, oftentimes understand these three balloons and then ask them, and if you look at a certain employee segment, how can you fill these balloons back up? Based on the language that that segment relates to. So for a millennial, you know, they're trying to find a, a sense of importance in everything they do. And um, that's why you see a lot of them on social media, standing up, having a voice, being part of a cause. If you tell them, to do something a certain way and then don't recognize them when they do it that way. Not only are you deflating the importance balloon, but you're also deflating the freedom balloon because they feel like they don't have a choice. And all of a sudden, if, you, if you're doing that as an organization unconsciously, then those employees are not going to perform at their best. 
even if you try to do little things that you think are going to make a difference, like put a ping pong table in the office or, you know, hold a random social night, because those um, solutions that you're throwing at the issue are not actually addressing the real problem. Um, and so it's really taking a step back as an organization and becoming self-aware of what's really going on and where that communication gap is taking place. And then once you understand it based on those core factors of safety, freedom, and importance, then coming up with a strategy and, and so a plan for solutions that addresses the real issue. And oftentimes that's a misperception in, in one of those three areas. Wow. Okay. So by recognizing the, the three balloons, safety, freedom, and importance, um, by keeping them inflated, if you like, what, what, what are the results for employees and, and for the leadership team? Uh, the results, well, it, it really comes down to, again, getting on the same page, right? So uh, a quick example, say you go to a, a millennial and you say, hey, you know what? We have a great benefits package. You know, it covers you know, health and dental. And when you're retirement, we're going to put in some funds into the retirement. Um, we're going to match your retirement contribution. To them, that might not actually be a valuable um, perceived to be valuable to them because they're struggling to pay off their student debt. And so in their eyes, that student debt is what's causing them pain um, or causing the air to come out of, say, the safety balloon and perhaps even the freedom balloon and, and potentially even the importance balloon. And unless the organization recognizes that and says, hey, we understand that you're facing a lot of debt coming out of school, we want to tell you how all these benefits that we've given you are actually going to address making sure that you um, build a, a sort of a, a safety net as you, as you transition into the workforce. Um, again, nothing has to change in the actual deliverable of what an organization is giving. It, it really comes down to that communication of it and making someone see how that deliverable um, matters to them and makes a difference in their lives and, and, and in a perceived way, in a way where that they can understand it and they can grasp it and they can say, hey, you know what, what I'm being given actually helps me keep these three balloons inflated. And so the results, can, they, they, they vary. It all depends. I'm still kind of testing this model. Past models I've used have been similar, a little bit more complex, but, um, uh, you know, I do a lot of presentations to CEOs and execs, and the biggest thing I've, I've noticed in those presentations is those aha moments they come across where they realize how they're interacting with the younger generation and even other employees and creating unintentionally this tension because they're operating from their lens without considering the other person's lens. And this even translates into a lot of the execs who have kids who are millennials. And I remember um, one exec said, you know, my kid wastes all this time playing video games. And during the presentation, I challenged uh, him and I said, well, what's the benefit of him playing video games? Like, how is that actually, how can you, you support him and understand him more so that you can find out how video games is going to help him um, align with something that he's really, really good at and more importantly, really, really passionate about? Because maybe that's video game design. Maybe that's data analysis. Maybe that's gamifying, you know, gamification is such a big thing right now. Maybe um, his son could actually play a part in that. So it was funny, I got feedback from that meeting where, um, from the person who organized it saying that one of the commitments that that executive set was to, to sit down and sort of understand what his son really enjoyed and to get to know and get on the same page of what, 
what his son's interest was rather than saying you shouldn't be doing that or that's a waste of time. Perhaps he should um, get involved with Pokemon Go. I was... <laughs> <laughs> but my wife and I were on the harbour of uh, Toronto coming back from the island last week and we walked into what I can only describe as a herd of Pokemon Go players all, all looking at, at the screens <laughs> walking around it's taking gamification to a whole new level um, right <laughs> so let, let's uh, switch tack now uh, tell me a bit about what's going on with you at the moment any new initiatives and any, uh, any speaking engagements coming up um, what, what, what's happening with Ryan? Yeah, so it's been a, um, my path's been very, like I said, mentioned in the beginning, evolving, and I would say in the past few months, evolving very quickly. And to an extent where I'm very, very much interested in a lot of, um, I guess you could, I don't know if you can call it spiritual or philosophy teachings around how to clear the mind, how to, you know, really become Zen-like, if that's the right, right term, term to use. So it's been a very interesting dynamic, you know, operating in the business world and, feeling this pull to want to sort of live a little bit more quietly and, and have a little bit more control over your mind and not feel like you have to run after things to be happy and, and, and successful. So um, that's kind of altered my course a bit. I, I've moved away um, a bit from the, I guess you call it the spotlight in, in speaking, and I like to work behind the scenes. And, and for me, a lot of my career revolves around conversations now. So... Uh, a couple of ways that I, I, I do that from a career standpoint is I work with a lot of consultants who have a lot on the go and they're presenting um, to, to groups, companies, organizations, teams, they have coaching conversations. And so I've stepped in to be their support system uh, and someone who can uh, walk them through things that perhaps they're struggling with um, and even take on certain uh, elements of their work that uh, they just can't handle right now, but also needs a little bit of experience from someone who's done consulting and, and, and entrepreneurship. Um, and so I've actually found a lot of joy in that role because it allows me to create really, really strong relationships with my clients and the people I work with, uh, see them succeed and do what they love, which is, um, uh, you know, either being in the spotlight or, or uh, being dealing with uh, different clients uh, based on different uh, certifications that they have. Um, and so it's been an interesting transition to go behind the scenes and, and play a support role. Um, it's definitely taught me uh, how much I used to operate off my ego and how, uh, how much of a trickster that ego is and how fulfilled and satisfied you can be just playing a, um, playing a behind the scenes role and not judging yourself for it. Um, so that's been a great, great experience. And another project I'm working on is... Um, uh, trying to build uh, more intrinsic uh, motivation factors into the hiring process. So myself and a team are working on a project called Game On, where the aspect that you mentioned, Bill, uh, with Pokemon Go, and trying to build a, a platform that addresses a big problem right now in the sphere of, of recruiting and hiring and even um, career development for individuals, where uh, the analogy I like to use there is People right now have a backpack and they're trying to fill it up with all these credentials, skills, tools, specialties, online courses, books they've read. And, you know, it's almost like your LinkedIn backpack. You're, you're trying to fill it up. But oftentimes they don't know where they're actually walking towards with that backpack. It's almost like they're on this, this adventure um, that they have no idea where they really fit in or where they bring value or where they really feel passion. And... Um, 
when, I, when we think back and try to understand why that happened is if you look at the education system as it's built today, is it doesn't focus a lot on vocational training, at least not here in, in Canada. Um, and so while, you know, many may argue, well, people are young and they're still exploring their careers, that's great, but from an employer's perspective, that's also very risky because if you have someone joining who does a great job selling you based on the system, the hiring system right now, and puts the right keywords and says the right things in the interviews and, and, and for lack of a better word, games the system that gets you into an organization, they could lose a lot of money or potentially face a lot of risk in hiring someone who wasn't meant for that job. They were just kind of trying to get themselves a job. Um, and so... Uh, it's okay for, for young people to explore um, different careers and, and different problems that they want to solve, uh, but I think that it needs to be something that isn't reliant on being in an organization to do so. It should be uh, a process that um, goes beyond just someone's job. It's, it's, you know, where is someone spending their time and how are they building their value in a certain direction? And from there, giving employers the opportunity to gain more information about that so that they can make better hiring decisions that are um, uh, less risk and uh, higher chances of long-term engagement and long-term retention. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing that with all of those uh, wonderful technologies out there today to, to help companies screen and identify the right people based on EQ and IQ and uh, various other tests, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, that there still needs to be a much greater understanding, a, 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 a deep dive, if you will, into the, the, the culture of the company, the personalities, what, what, they, what, what the goals are. Um, yeah, and then... Brian? And a lot, yeah. Sorry, please continue. Oh, no, I was just going to say a lot of times values align, and, uh, you know, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the person who enters that organization um, really finds joy in in solving the problem that's there right they might may like all the perks that are involved or they might like might, might like the working lifestyle but who's to say that the the challenge that they're working on within the organization is one that also makes them alive and so we want to really bring those um i think where uh we're, we're going to try to be unique is bring in that question of direction where is someone heading where is that focus that's natural for them that's you know they're naturally motivated by and how do we help an organization capitalize on that, that motivation. Okay, then it's uh, time for a plug. <laughs> Please tell our listeners how they can, how they can learn more about you. And, uh, sure, I'm one of those interesting millennials now that have, um, I feel I've kind of uh, become so overwhelmed by social media, I pull back a bit. So definitely on Facebook, I'm still there and LinkedIn. Um, both those links can be found at ryanquello.com. Um, but beyond that, I'm, I'm a big, reach out to me if, uh, if, there's a, if there's a conversation you want to have and let's have that conversation one-on-one -on -one and, and, and chat. And um, that's where I'm trying to move more and more of my efforts towards. Well, I'm definitely going to take you up on the opportunity for more conversations, Ryan. <laughs> awesome. um, thank you so much for today. Uh, this was great. Um, we, uh, we, we appreciate you joining us. And... Uh, until next time, listeners, this has been HR Chat Podcast. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 